everyone, Jack here. Before the episode starts, I just have a quick announcement. We have restructured our Patreon tiers to make things a little bit more affordable for our patrons and a little bit more doable for staff. So if you were previously a patron, I encourage you to go and check your membership to make sure that it is still what you want and you are still getting your benefits. Um, because of that, unfortunately, I cannot do our little thank you to all of the people who are supporting us. Uh, but just know that we are still very grateful and we are still thinking about you every day. And now on with the episode. personal communication from the office of Dr. Lucille Calvin. If you are not the intended recipient of this tape, I reserve the right to legal action regarding unlawful violation of private communications without legal precedent to do so. Message start. Hello, Clarence. I hope you aren't receiving this terribly late in the day. I suppose I'll jump right in. Typically, I would make more of an attempt at small talk. However, I've had a lot of time to reflect upon our shared goals, and I found myself frustrated in a way I feel only you could understand. As you are well aware, I arrived at Nemesine with the intent to redirect the Huxley Project in a way that was more conducive to our shared corporate mission. The project has been all but officially marked as a nemesine Jessia collaboration, the first one since the war. But it's a success I can hardly enjoy when I'm so busy thinking about ghost stories. I could tell you in near perfect detail an account of the day I arrived. I've spent an excruciating amount of time on when, where, and why of the thing, but only a handful of people truly know the how. And one is the ghost at the center of all these stories. The others still assume that if they just keep avoiding the subject, I'll somehow forget. And we all know how I feel about assumptions. In response to this, I've taken it upon myself to conduct a proper investigation on behalf of Jessia Corporation, with all the legal mumbo-jumbo to boot. I'm hoping with the added pressure of a legal setting, the responses of the prisoners to my line of questioning will become far more direct. No more ghost stories. I would like answers, and real ones. These tapes contain all the information I've been able to gather thus far on the death of one Warren Kane. I'd appreciate it if you reviewed them with your legal team on Earth and send word of my options up as soon as possible. You should have all the information you need. If you don't, then I'm sure you'll let me know as soon as you get into the office. Though, I'd appreciate if your complaints could wait until the end of the presentation. Anywho, that's enough precursor. Reflections will be in the last tape. End of message. Thank you for coming so quickly. You didn't give me much of a choice. It's hard to avoid participation in an active investigation. True, but I find courtesy creates a better rapport with employees. Is that what I am? In some capacity, yes. 
However, that isn't relevant to why I called you here, of course. Of course. Please, take a seat. Please introduce yourself for the recording. Dr. Aster Huxley, head neurologist at Nemesine Prison. To confirm, you worked with Dr. Kane for the entire course of this experiment, and you were there for the events leading up to his death, yes? Yes, I was. Your testimony has already been gathered on the event itself, but I was hoping to get more into the nuance. Such as? Such as, what changes did you notice in the scans? How were the patients physically affected by what was shown on the scans, etc. and so forth? I hate to disappoint Dr. Calvin, but I was far more preoccupied with the fact that Miss Cobra and I were being actively blackmailed via the threat of Miss Algernon's life, who I spent most of my waking hours with watching to make sure they weren't suddenly going brain dead. Not to mention the fact I wasn't even present for the actual event of Dr. Kane's death, because the lab was broken into with a battering ram and Miss Kroger was taken away to solitary confinement. But, as head neurologist of Nemesine, you are required to keep record of any experiment that takes place, so that it may be archived by Nemesine Corporation, correct? Yes. Good. Then, you don't have to recall, we can review these scans together. Judging by the timestamp, I believe this is the earliest one in the series. Thus, I might venture an educated guess that this is from the initial event of Dr. Kane, commandeering control of the experiment. Would I be amiss in thinking that, Doctor? No, Dr. Calvin. You would not. I was under the impression that Mix Algernon was not able to create any real pushback until the fourth day. No, he was not. Mix Algernon remained in a comatose state for the majority of her time prior to your arrival. Then why is it that here, there is a sudden spike in activity from Mix Algernon while Dr. Kane momentarily decreases? It's simply the brain responding to direct stimuli, much like the body would respond to electrical stimuli. And that somehow affects Dr. Kane? I, I imagine that it... I, I imagine that has something more to do with his own equipment tampering it's and- It's so interesting you mention that, Aster. Because according to these same experiment records, there was an open external dialogue channel during this activity spike from Mix Algernon. Can a comatose person speak, Doctor? Communicate with the living? I think you'll find your time here much less complicated if you're entirely honest with me, Aster. Yes. There was an open external dialogue channel from Mixaldronon. And what did they say? They said... They said they felt a barrier and they were actively pushing against it to remain in contact with us. And do you believe that Mixaldronon pushing against this barrier is what led Warren Kane to a state of semi-consciousness as well? Yes. I do. See, Aster, telling the truth wasn't so hard after all. Now, moving on to the next scan. What exactly is the purpose of this investigation? I told you, to investigate the cause of Dr. Warren Kane's death. I know what you decided to tell me. Yes, the- The explanation you thought would make me the most agreeable. Can't a scientist be curious, Aster?
Sorry to bother you all in your off time, especially when you were having such a lively conversation. Something interesting, I assume? Oh, just a little performance I've been putting together for a few of our more theatrically-minded compatriots. Jules agreed to help manage the whole thing. Oh, I didn't realize you were a patron of the arts, Miss Kroger. It's a recent development. Well, it's always wonderful to see someone expanding their cultural horizons. As much as I'd love to press you for details, I'm afraid I'm not here for pleasure. Mix Algernon? May I have a moment of your time? What do you need to speak to them for? Oh, we're just conducting a little bit of a legal investigation. Nothing too serious, it's still in the beginning stages. Is this about Dr. Kane? I can't disclose all the details, but something like that, yes. Do you mind if I take a moment of your time? I don't think I can stop you, so... Fabulous! Let's walk and talk, shall we? Hmm. Come on. I swear I won't bite. If anything, I'd be more worried about my nails. Thank you. (sighs) This shouldn't take too terribly long at all. God, what's her damage? We truly made an attempt to answer that question. I don't believe we'd ever leave this cell. Jules. Would you please state your name and intake number for the record? Uh, Victor Algernon. Uh, Intake number 1095. Thank you. You said this was about Kane? What about him? You're smart, Victor. I imagine you're quite aware of the circumstances. Warren's machine, right? Precisely. Y'all already tested it. You have his notes, isn't that enough? You know, I meant to be the one asking the questions here. <laughs> Mix Algernon, I've been looking into whatever happened before my arrival here. That is, Dr. Kane's passing, and I believe I've found something else worth investigating here, beyond just a few simple EEGs. I spoke to Huxley earlier, and he mentioned something very interesting while we were reviewing the scans. Do you recall anything about a mental barrier, Mix Algernon? I, uh... I don't really get what you mean. According to Dr. Huxley, prior to entering a comatose state, you had a conversation in which you mentioned that you were pushing against some sort of mental barrier that Dr. Kane had created. What do you recall about this? I still have no idea what you're getting at. I'm not aiming to be anyone's enemy, Mix Algernon. I only want to seek out answers so that we can all move forward with our lives and forget this entire conundrum. What are your answers getting used for? Closure, Mix Algernon. Progress. Isn't that all anyone ever really looks for? Besides, this is only a routine investigation. As soon as this is all over, I'll be sealing up these files and they'll be sent away to our archives. I believe there is a way where we can help each other, Victor but only if you share your story. Even if I wanted to, like I said, I don't remember anything. Sorry. Oh, I don't think that's quite true. I think you remember a bit more than you're letting on. That's what you told Aster, right? 
What? In that little interview you did after everything happened, Aster had it tucked away in some drawer in the lab, hidden under some papers. Terrible stuff, but it is fascinating. Keeping someone hostage in their own worst memory for four days, and they don't even live to see it through. Yeah. Too bad about that guy who could have helped you with that. Oh, but I'm not looking for Dr. Kane's perspective, Mix Algernon. I'm looking for yours. Because I think whatever you may have stumbled into is far more interesting. Because it's one thing to engineer a death trap, but it's another thing entirely to escape one. How am I even supposed to tell you what I did if I don't even remember or know what I did? I think you do, Mix Algernon. I think you have more information than you realize rattling around in that head of yours. You just don't know what to do with it. We do. You make it sound like this is my best option. That's because it is. I wasn't exaggerating about being interested in progress, you know. I truly think that we could be looking at a new generation of scientific progress with what's been discovered here, and, like it or not, you are a piece of that discovery. And what if I don't want to be a part of that discovery? Makes Algernon. You and I both know well that if you still had that choice, you wouldn't be here. Need I remind you that not only is this a legal investigation, but you yourself are also under contract. Jesus Christ. If you're looking for answers, I, I don't have them. I don't know what I did to Kane, and I'm certainly not trying to remember it. And I, I don't know what you want me to say. Whatever you heard in that tape, which wasn't meant for you, by the way, that is all I know. That's all you're going to get. We're done here. <clears throat> Fine. Let's get you home, shall we? Thank you for your time, Mix Algernon. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. We can continue this discussion then. If I were to estimate... Hold on a minute, Roger. I only just started recording. You'll have to start again. These things are hardly Earth standard. Like most things here, this equipment would be called outdated in a high school chemistry lab. Hardly an optimistic way to view the situation. <laughs> Good thing you paid me to be an engineer, not a life coach. I'm only saying your sour attitude might benefit from some healthy optimism. Experience is all just point of view after all. Of course, you're going to be miserable if you decide to be miserable. And you consider yourself an optimist? On the best days, yes. Huh. Anywho, please go ahead and state your full name and title, please, for legal purposes. I'm Dr. Roger Morris, head engineer for Project M13 or G something, head engineer for whatever we're calling this project now. Fabulous. Now back to the question I asked you before. Dr. Kane's notes. You've been trying to decipher them, yes? Trying, sure. That's one of the words you could use. What words would you use? Less trying, more struggling. I can hardly tell the difference between the real stuff and the junk he chucked in later to throw off anyone trying to read it. He did a great job in making sure that we've got about equal chance of recreating the process and at blowing ourselves up. I'm honestly shocked he didn't blow himself up. It's, yeah, it's a struggle. 
If Dr. Kane were still with us, I think I'd wish he were dead. But you have been working with the machine, yes? If I understand correctly, it's fully operational at this point. Fully is giving it a little too much credit, but it works, by the grace of God. So you, at the very least, understand how it was originally meant to be operated. What are you getting at? If you understand how it was originally meant to operate, even without the assistance of Dr. Kane's notes, then I want you to explain to me how that same machine can be corrupted by the force of one person when it was intentionally designed to put that second user into a chokehold. Explain it to me like a child. Okay, imagine two race cars on a track. The track and the cars are both designed by the same person in order to give one of the drivers an unfair advantage. The first driver's car is made to be able to handle more power and given a few more bells and whistles than the second driver's car's standard model. But they're sharing the same track. That's the key thing. Right. So, every time the first driver is just a little bit in front of the second one and, if need be, can easily overpower them at the finish line. This works for a while, but the designer forgot to count on one important detail. The skill of the second driver. I'm beginning to understand. Right. You can make a car as fancy as you want, but if someone's able to outmaneuver you, then it doesn't matter. You'll swerve into the fences anyway. Makes Algernon simply cut Dr. Kane off at the turn. Exactly. So, this is all to say, Victor Algernon's ability isn't something completely exceptional. It's obtainable. Some people just have a talent other people have to train years for, but yeah, sure, it's possible. Vic's the only one we're probably gonna get right now, though. You've got that look. What look is that, Roger? The kind that means I should probably expect a change of plans. That's the exact pessimism I'm talking about, Roger. You sound like you think that a change of plans is a bad thing. Never said it was a bad thing. Just kind of feels like hitting a hornet's nest with a bat. Roger, did you know that hornets can't see in the dark? What's more, they're very good at detecting motion, but only above a certain speed. If you move in the dark, and you move slow enough, you can hit their nests with anything, with remarkably few consequences. Retaliation is short-lived and futile when smaller creatures are distracted. Or divided. Which I'm already working on. Hmm. Someone's in a good mood today. I told you, an optimistic attitude is very important. I think that will be all. This concludes the majority of my investigation. I feel that I have made great strides in answering the questions that I set out to confront and have come to the conclusion that Dr. Warren Kane's death is not simply lightning in a bottle, but rather a perfect storm of circumstances. It is not Mix Algernon's capabilities that are extraordinary. It is the series of coincidences that put him in that chair next to Kane. We already know it is possible to restore the equipment to its original state, but knowing that it is potentially possible to create another user? Well, that's a game changer. However, 
For now, I think we'll have to work towards that. Right now, we need Mix Algernon to be cooperative with us until we have enough data to train someone Earthside to take their place. I'm thinking someone with a military background, perhaps, when the time comes. In light of these revelations, I'm looking into my ability to increase restrictions, make their sentence a little more unbearable, through an additional manslaughter charge. Oh yes, one last thing, Clarence. I made an interesting discovery during the course of my investigation. One of the patient tapes. They attempted to record over their conversation to destroy the evidence, however, I managed to salvage some of it. I believe it will lend even more weight to our legal threat and instill in our employees an even greater urge to cooperate. I'll play it for you here. But once we leave this block, the two surrounding areas are patrolled in hourly shifts. Depending on the time things happen, that completely changes the best way to get to the pod bay. It all depends on which guards are out and what routes they're taking. And, I would like to note, the pod bay is clear on the other side of the station. If one were to attempt to leave via block A and loop through the entire station, it would simply leave too much exposure to- Yeah, but the main hall is one of the most heavily patrolled areas in the entire building because it's a central hub. Guards are always on circulation. Jules, I'm afraid this is a case where there is no good way to operate without being seen. Thus, we should focus on trying to remain in densely populated areas, with less time openly exposed. Why are y'all looking at me? I don't know any better than you. Yes, but you could at least provide your input on the situation and help create something of a compromise. Yeah, but I don't really got anything right now. You good? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I think I'm just kinda overwhelmed by logistics and stuff. I'm just gonna lie down by myself for a bit. I'll, I'll be more useful later. The good blankets are always available to you. You, uh... You have no idea what you're missing out on, Hux. You're burning a hole in your office floor thinking about whatever it is you think about. Us cool kids are out here scheming about walking past. Things are escalating fast. Like we take one step forward and immediately get pushed two steps back. And Jules is already giving me shit for getting in my own head, but I'd argue it's kind of hard not to when it feels like you're just holding your breath, waiting for the worst-case scenario. It's not a lack of faith or anything. I think we can do it. I, I think we will do it. It's just... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to have any goddamn optimism when we're all trapped on a runaway train. Or space station. Even though space stations can't really run away since they're being pulled into a continuous... I just, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to stop. I feel like I only talk to you through this thing now. I would try to talk to you face to face, but, um, you know, unnecessary attention and all that shit. <sighs> Even if I could say something to your face, you'd probably just give me some more cryptic bullshit anyways. Every time I feel like we're getting somewhere, there's always one more mystery wrapped in an enigma and chained into a cement box you've thrown into goddamn ocean, so... <laughs> 
it's hard to get everyone else on the same page. You're probably not gonna sell us out to the government. For what it's worth, though, uh, I trust you. More than I ever should, but uh, I trust you. So. Lucy here sees How do I delete this? Fuck. Now, you don't have to worry your pretty little Earth-dwelling head about this. It's space business, but I figured I should make you aware of it nonetheless. If push comes to shove, blackmail is something your favorite twin can do very, very well. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. End of message. Today's episode was written by Stanford Blue. It featured Leland Heed as Victor Algernon, Varus Zima as Astor Huxley, Serena Johnston as Jules Krober, Finn Carter as Roger Morris, Noelle Salisbury as Lucy Calvin, and E.G. Taraku as Hugo Highsmith. Our editor is Stoger Leopold, and our music is by Sloan Van Dyke. If you like what we do here and want to follow us on social media or support us on Patreon, all of that information will be linked in the description below. Thanks for listening.